0: my name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Let's do it, Laura. It's just me and you tonight. Now, um, I think the team have taken like their draft preparations a little bit too seriously. So, we've got Stacey, we've got Beck, and we've got Alex locked away in a bunker. Just you know, they just they just haven't quite perfected their mock drafts at the moment. Lead up to the drafts, um, what's your thoughts on them? They're just taking it a little bit too seriously, aren't they?
1: I think Alex was a bit upset after last week's episode. I think we hit her a bit too hard with our criticisms of the bears and she's really having to take some recovery time. And I think, you know, Beck's a bit stuck with what the heck are the Seahawks going to do. It's such a big question. And I think they're just really struggling. I think they're struggling to face us and our opinions when it comes to our mock draft episode. So hopefully they can plot with something good, but we miss them tonight. It would be great to have them.
0: Yeah. They'll be back next week. And uh, all right, well let's jump into our first little segment, uh, the warm up. A one and a two and a one two three why are you not that? bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah have a great broadcast you too,
1: darling.
0: yeah laura so this is uh something's been asked of us from our listeners is to share a little bit more about uh each of the panel members so we're going to be throwing out a few topics each and every week in the warm-up the question i've got for you this week it's a it's a really important one for our nfl tragics and that is what is your favorite football movie and why um this this question's kind of tortured me a little bit because there's plenty out there.
1: I think there are two different ways that you can go with this question. Obviously, what is the greatest film of all time in everyone's minds, it's any given Sunday. A classic, a staple. People that don't love football love this film. Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx absolutely nail it. And you see so many references come through in hip hop music and everyday life. So it's a film that's really lasted the time. But one of my absolute favorites is Draft Day. It's a little bit cheesy, Kevin Costner, Jennifer Gardner, but I think it's the movie that I put on when I want to explain my love of football to someone that doesn't really understand what I'm talking about. Those draft scenes that you see between the Browns and the Seahawks and telling someone to go eat pancakes over a draft pick, you know, there's nothing quite like it. And it definitely offers a different perspective to what you normally see. So I think draft day probably takes it for me.
0: It is so good. And it just leaves you filled with envy that there are actually people in this world who get paid and compensated to do those activities, like to, to, to be part of a draft would just be absolutely incredible. And, uh, Anyway, we won't give away too many spoilers, but go out there and, and watch that if you haven't had a chance. But uh, the sticky note, I think, was uh, was a pretty cool moment and <laughs> I think something that uh, we would probably do as well. Um, look, I've, I've watched them all uh, multiple times. Um, any time there's a, there's a sick day um, or quote-unquote sick day, uh, you know, sit on the couch, um, Doritos, uh, probably second bag of Doritos, you know – definitely now that I'm retired, I can certainly do that now and (laughs) throw throw on the TV and and watch watch some football movies. Look, my all American, uh, that that's definitely mine. It's a little bit hit and miss as to who has kind of watched this one, um, released in 2015. So it's been out there for a little bit, but, really digs into the player story um, behind the scenes and has a little bit of a, um, yeah, a a little bit of a a sad ending. But, um, yeah, again, trying not to give away too many spoilers here. But, um, again, I I think, like, um, I think I'm a little bit uh, broken emotionally. I think there's a few therapy sessions there. Don't often cry too much. But, again, to all our listeners it's, it's important. Do that, do yeah. that. But my all American, uh, if you want, if you want something that, uh, that can get that going, um, definitely watch that. Definitely a sad one, but yeah, very, 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 very cool movie. But, uh, we want to hear yours as well. Um, right into us. Let us see Let us know your favorite uh, football movie and why your choice is a little bit better than ours. Um, yeah, it'd be great to uh, hear that one. All right, let's dive into another brand new segment. And that is the playbook. Um, I guess, you know, before we dive into it, Laura, we've been pretty excited about sort of developing this one. Really gives us the ability to kind of talk about, you know, different plays, different schemes. Anyway, without further ado, let's jump into it, the playbook. Some people are just great at all aspects of the game. When they step foot on the field, it's their show. Double right, scatter right, double cowboy. Went
1: 94 feet, did a you step, made a right-hand layup timeout. most
0: important thing is film study. We work a lot on short passing
1: with our forwards. You talk about somebody to know the playbook, know where everybody's supposed to be, know the other team, coaches, style of coaching, how his ball club's going to play.
0: Yeah, all right, Laura, let's jump into the playbook. And this week we're talking all things running back because, uh, Kind of important in this in this thing that we love in the NFL, um, Laura. Let, let's start with the very very basics about you know why is it important to run the football? Um, you know we've seen so many schemes, we've seen so many strategies, we've seen so many great plays over the years that we will talk about um, tonight. But yeah, let's let's strip it all the way back to some of the fundamentals. Why do we run? Why do we run the football?
1: That's a question that I would like to see Pete Carroll answer now. A couple of years later, <laughs> but look, you know, running the football is such a dynamic play because you really are putting the power in the hands of the running back. It's a split decision. It's an explosive position. And it also gives offenses a chance to really chip away at gaining yardage, but at also wearing down their defense. And I think that's one of the biggest strategies behind it. You want to make this defense work. You want to tire them out. And that's why we see a lot of schemes running that football hardcore in that first half of the game to really establish that run game wear down that defense but also you know creep away at that yardage and you know make opportunities that otherwise can be difficult it's also great for converting you know third down second down those sort of later plays when you're really not facing many options with your um, receivers so it's a dynamic play it's a dynamic style of play that really just gives endless opportunities, especially when you are facing hardcore defences.
0: Now we are talking about running backs, but I will divert to the quarterback position just for a second. It's really interesting if you ask the quarterback, you know, who are your favourite positions, teammates, and, you know, they're going to talk left tackle, they're going to talk their flashy wide receiver, but running back should certainly be part of it because running backs, running the football, it just takes so much pressure off the quarterback. It keeps defences honest. I mean, if you've got teams who – Struggle to uh, run the ball, refuse to run the football, or do it very, very poorly. It just makes it so much easier to to defend. Um, you know, your secondary is able to load up. You're able to put a lot of pressure um, on your receivers, on your quarterback. So, you know, the ability to run the football, it just takes so much pressure off the passing game as well. And mm. you know, that's why you t- you see so many coaches that talk about the importance of of balance. You know, being able to run the football, being able to pass the football. A couple other points too, uh, Laura, which is a bit of an interesting one, is that you think about some of the weather conditions and the conditions that football's played in. We can't always, it's not always our perfect, sun, uh, sunny Florida uh, conditions. Uh, you know, this is a, um, you know, as, as the, the season gets more and more serious, the, the weather turns and you think about Green Bay, you, you think about, you know, some of the some of the, the outdoor arenas. Um, let's just say that run, running the football, you know, as you get a little bit closer to the playoffs, it becomes uh, pretty important as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, playing at Lambeau a couple of times a year, you really are stuck for, you know, how you can get that ball through the air. And that is when your only option turns to the run game. You know, these weather conditions, it can be absolutely catastrophic. And, you know, some quarterbacks like, you know, Tom Brady, who are now used to that Tampa lifestyle, may struggle going up north a little bit more. But, you know, for a long time, as uh, a lot of teams get conditioned to this style of play. And really, if you're in snow, if you're dealing with these elements, there is no other way to get the ball moving. And, you know, it's a reason why the style of the running back, it's actually one of the biggest trends in drafting a quarterback. Now you want to draft a running back. So that agility, that ability to kind of navigate different systems, its um, it keeps it going.
0: Yeah. And before we get into styles and we, we talk more about it, I, I guess that the next thing to talk about is the elephant in the room is that, uh, you know, running backs, you know, their money, their salaries, how they kind of managed from an NFL franchise perspective. You know, Laura, I, th- I think we're starting to see the the end of second contracts. Talk to us a little bit about that because these players, they just take so much punishment, so much damage through high school, through college, into the NFL. By the time that they get through to that second, second contract, it's very, very difficult and – it's just been so long now since we've seen a running back being able to play, you know, at a high level for, for a long period of time in the NFL.
1: Well, you're exactly right. I mean, you look at Derek Henry, one of the reasons he dropped so far in the draft was because the scouting teams were concerned about his wear and tear coming off that incredible Heisman season at Bama. And, you know, that's why a lot of the time you see these big contracts, these first contracts sign after their rookies, are normally for exuberant sort of more quarterbacks sort of, figures but that's because they don't have the shelf life they are one of the most attacked players in the game they take the beatings they also have to carry the team and carry the movement through so you know I think it's a smarter play definitely to throw your money and get someone good but it's difficult you know Ezekiel Elliott was absolutely running the field a couple of years ago and through injury and through exposure you know he struggled to kind of maintain that high level of performance so it's definitely a problem it's definitely an epidemic you could almost say with these running backs not having the life but that's why we do need to pay them more and we do need to kind of lock them down quick but it is a shame that we're really struggling to see longevity through the position
0: yeah and i think fans you know they just sort of hold hold their breath you know you've got to start running back and you see production starting to Drop a little bit, so um, you know. I, I think I think the Zeke Elliott contract that's going to be one that's going to really hurt the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but you know, if he's suddenly able to turn things around, maybe we start to sort of second guess that. But you know, there's a few guys that are sort of coming up for those contract, Alvin Kamara and a few other few other running backs. It's going to be very very interesting to see whether that trend continues. All right, Laura. I, I guess the, the 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 next challenge is actually finding these running backs. One of the other things I would probably say at the moment when it comes to trends is. Let's not spend high draft capital on a running back. You know, we've just seen too much evidence now of second round, third round, fourth round running backs be unbelievably successful. And that's because of the, I guess, the diversity, the flexibility, all of the different styles of running backs out there. What's your thoughts? Would you be spending a first round pick on a running back these days?
1: I wouldn't. I mean, you know, in Seattle, we've just seen it with Rashad Penny who came out at the end of last season with 150 yards, 170 yards, and he was a late round pick. Most running backs that do actually stand the testament of time have been later round picks. They might not have had to deal with battles in the SEC like some of these top round picks have had and the wear and tear that they all go through. I think a running back is a position, if you have a superstar, they're a superstar and, you know, talent is hard to find. If you can get it, then it's, you know, always take it off the board. But you don't need to be spending. You don't need to be trading up because you can get guys further down that can just withstand, get through and get the ball moving. So it's a tough one because, you know, you get these freaks, you get these, you know, unreal talents that really do come through. But no, I wouldn't be spending. I'd be putting that towards a wide receiver. Over a
0: running back Yeah All right. well let's dive into Some of the different types Of running backs The the first sort of running backs We'll talk about Is the power back The ability to You know Make those cuts The agility The speed um, The ability to make a Make a player miss Um you know, Laura, a little bit easier to see on tape, to be honest, the, the, these sort of players. But again, it's really, really, you know, it is difficult to, you know, look at college production um, and then think about what that's going to look like in the NFL. But again, when you think about balancing your roster, the ability to have someone with speed at the running back position uh, very, very important. But, you know, as we go through the different styles of running back, you, you, you see some NFL franchises that still don't have pace at the running back position. It's it's bizarre, you know, the ability to beat, beat tackles. It's so important, especially when you're a team that's, you know, struggling to, to convert third down.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, if you know anything about basketball, then, you know, there has never been a more dominant player than Shaquille O'Neal. And really the power back is the equivalent of a Shaquille O'Neal. You know, you look at players like Derrick Henry, you watch the field, all you see is him. And, you know, the style of play where we're seeing these guys being able to take these hits, carry through, you know, that Marshall Lynch beast quake where they're having men dragging off them as they go through and get these yards after contact. You know, it's actually the most important sort of running back to look for now because today's game is getting so much more physical and these guys that really are more built up that do have that agility but also can be a blocker can support your offensive line when needed is really changing the style of play and giving the quarterback more options but also giving themselves more option running out of the pocket so i think it's probably the best position and the best style of player that we need to be looking for more in these upcoming drafts
0: and it's just so interesting when you think about the variability at the position you know you've got guys like um, you know Sony Michelle, who you know he's probably yeah. you know, one of the smaller players um, in the competition. I know, I know the Patriots; they've got a much smaller um, running back, air, you know even compared to Sony Michelle on their roster as well. And then you look at some of those bigger, physical running backs like Marshawn Lynch, where you, you're really creating such honesty in your linebackers in your defense to say, well. To be honest, the, you know, if you can't tackle, if you can't make this hit, I'm going to run over the top of you. So, um, yeah, a very, very physical, um, you know, running back style, that's for sure. All right, well, let, let's move through now to the next type of, um, you know, sort of running back. We're looking at more sort of open field perimeter backs, you know, players that are able to, I, I guess, you know, make a little bit more of opportunities when they're in open space. Um Laura, interesting, probably don't quite have the space as those other types of running backs. Now we're starting to talk about scheme. Now we're starting to talk about fit. Now we're starting to talk about coaching, the ability to kind of, you know, create opportunities for these types of players to be successful.
1: Totally, and I think we've seen that down in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey over, you know, his first few seasons. You've got a player that's kind of acting as a little bit of a receiver, getting into space, then creating his route from there. You know, these offensive coordinators are having to get more crafty and with these players that they really are able to put out sort of a bit deeper it's you know really assisting and helping them get out of a bind because they can carry that but the agility and their you know ability to be explosive from whatever point whether it's closer whether they're further apart it's um it's definitely kind of you know helping them get that ball through.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, the offensive line is obviously also very underrated, you know? When you think about, well, this is a scheme, this is how we play, this is the type of running back that I need. Well hang on, what's my you know, how does what does my offensive line look like at the moment? Am I stacked full of rookies who are kind of struggling at the moment? Do I have some veterans? You know, what what's kind of their skill set as well? So it's also interrelated and it can change year to year. So when you think about, you know, teams who are Typically stacking um, different running backs. I know the New England Patriots do this very, very well. And you know, some weeks you see, um, you know, different carries, different strategies. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 an incredible it's incredible part of part of the game. Um, you spoke a little bit about those third down, you know, receiving backs, Laura. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's just so yeah. much value in them the Debo Samuels of the world where, you know, let's speak frankly, if Debo tomorrow just said, you know what, I'm going to be a running back for the rest of my career, he'd probably probably be the best in the, in, in the competition. You yeah. saw Alvin Kamara who has literally carried that franchise on his back. Um, yeah, talk to us a little bit more about that because this is a type of running back and a, and a, and a skill set that basically everyone's looking for now in the league.
1: Totally. And I think that comes down to the big issue with getting conversions on that third down. You know, you have some teams that you can definitely count on. They're definitely in that positive percentage with getting that ball across that third yard, that third down. But, you know, it's difficult because there aren't many running backs who can take that, get that yardage after contact. And that's where a player like Debo, a player like McCaffrey, who really can get agile after contact, who can extend that play, come through. And they get those third down conversions. So, you know, it's it's difficult because you want that strength, but you also need those extra skills like that agility um, to really get the ball moving.
0: And it plays tricks with the defense, you know. You look yeah. at New England Patriots, right? When they put in Damien Harris... We're running the football. Uh, when you put in James White, we could be running the football, or we could be playing a little bit of our cat and mouse there. And then, obviously, you've given out some much better examples as well, Christian McCaffrey, again Alvin Kamara. I, look, I just I worry about the this particular skill set, especially those elite players. I just worry, um, you know, about their ability to, to kind of sustain long careers because teams just use and abuse them. You know, oh, yeah. you know, you can you can be a receiver, you can play running back, you can be out there most snaps. Great, we're going to utilize that on a rookie contract, as we spoke about before, and take advantage of it. So maybe not great for the athlete, but certainly very, very productive for teams. And just, you know, I I guess removes that predictability from teams when they sort of roll their offense out there. You put your defense into two minds, and that's where mistakes can happen. And then um, I, I guess one of the, you know, keeping a broad brush, you know, sort of the last, you know, category, I'd say, Laura, is the... I guess the unicorn, that that, that feature back, the, the, the players that can literally do everything. They're not, you know, you talk about big, strong, physical, can run over the top of someone. The ability to cut, agile, the ability to catch the ball. These are the unicorns. They're very, very few and far between, but every so often we see these types of players, um you know, again, we spoke about maybe not going first round for a lot of our running backs, but you know, if you, if you do do see these rare athletes come through, this is probably where you would invest a little bit more for your football team.
1: Totally. And we saw that with the Giants taking Saquon with the second round pick, you know, some of these guys come through that offer so much, but also they can be leaders on the field. They can be leaders off the field, but they come through with this raw talent that you just don't see. You just don't get. And it's it's interesting and it's kind of disappointing sometimes seeing them go so high in the draft, which is often to teams that don't have the best records and they don't get to really use these players, you know, when it counts, but those unicorn talent, it's hard to find and it's, you know, it's hard to spot, but sometimes they do come through, they are straight there in front of you. And it's, um, it's cool for the sport to see.
0: Yeah. So when we think about, um, I guess, one of our final points here is around some of the the trends that are in the sport at the moment. I think we've kind of touched on it, but as a New England Patriots supporter, this is probably the only thing that I'm satisfied with at the moment. <laughs> is it safe to say that? I mean, J.J. Taylor, that was the player that I was thinking about. Um, look, I'm not t- typically that tall, so I can't sort of talk too much, but I've got J.J. Taylor in terms of height, weight, uh, not speed. He's probably got me a little bit there. Again, we keep talking about those Doritos, watching too many football movies. But, uh, yeah, J.J. Taylor, we've got um, James White, has the ability to kind of you know play both roles. And then we've got Damien Harris, I guess the, the, the other trend that we are seeing is just that constant refresh in the draft. You know, the Patriots had one of the, the, the better running back um, yeah. groups um, in the competition. Then we go and draft Ramondre Stevenson, you know. So it, it's literally, and, 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 you know, you've got a draft coming up. The Patriots could probably double down again. It just feels like... Everyone gets it. You need diversity. Your running backs are going to wear down. Um, continuing to, to invest in that, it, it's always, it always makes sense. And, Laura, probably trying to avoid free agency as well. There's not a big appetite for that at the moment in the, in the league.
1: No, there isn't. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that everyone's looking for is for a guy that can hold the ball, that isn't going to fumble. And I think that, alongside injuries, are two of the biggest concerns. You know, we started to see Zeke get a little bit more lacks with his ball handling skills. And that does come with older players, even, you know, even though he's still quite young, that does come through. And yeah, I, with, with trends, you know, it's interesting because to what, from what I see, everyone wants the next Derrick Henry, everyone wants that next big dominant force, but that just doesn't come through. So what they are trying to do, like you mentioned, is just accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Okay. Let's just swap between. Let's try and keep these guys fresh. But really with running backs, you know, to have a successful running back in today's game, you have to actually wear them in the game. You've got to keep them and you've got to get them those reps, you know, chip away. If you look at Derrick Henry, he averages five yards per carry. You know, a lot of the time we're not seeing these big numbers of, you know, averages 10, averages nine. They are those smaller numbers. And I think a lot of teams are too quick to pull a guy in and pull a guy out. You know, the Seahawks have been really guilty of this, especially over the last few seasons with their um, locker room. So you know, it's interesting. I reckon a team needs to build a guy up and and see how they go.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that's some of the best analysis we've had on this show uh, across multiple seasons. It's exactly that, and it's so frustrating. You're just yeah. you're screaming at your television, saying to the head coach, "Hold your nerve." I get it. You're not making any progress. <laughs> One yards, two yards, sometimes negative yardage, but that's 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 the career that Derrick Henry has has built. Is that. You get me into the fourth quarter after I've worn down every defender, even the guys who were sort of playing limited snaps as backups. I've run over the top of them. I've made them tight. And then bang, then we're seeing 20, 30, 40, 50 yard sort of runs, and then we're seeing touchdowns. No, it's 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 um it's definitely an incredible strategy. All right, to round off the playbook, um got to pick a favorite. So who is your who is your leading favorite running back at the moment? Got a few options, just to throw out a few names. We've got Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, you've spoken about Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon. He's, he's playing pretty good footy there at uh, for the Bengals as well. Austin Eckler, a guy who doesn't get a lot of praise there for the Chargers. Najee Harris, talk about guys carrying the franchise at the moment. And Dalvin Cook, um, yeah, obviously a little bit miserable in Minnesota, but things are probably turning around there (laughs) at the moment. Um, Yeah, where are you going on this one? Who's your standout running back at the moment?
1: It's difficult. You know, I had the privilege of seeing Jonathan Taylor play um, at the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago when Wisconsin, you know, had put up incredible numbers on the ground. It's difficult because there's so much young talent coming through, but I feel like none of these young players have really stood the test of time yet. You know, with a running back, it takes one play, one play to make their season, one play for even Danny Jones to run 78 yards before falling down. You know, you you can you can go back and forth with it. I'm gonna stick true. I absolutely love Derrick Henry. He is incredible to watch. His game is unlike anything we've seen, you know. And Game on, game again. He just pulls through. He carries that team, and but I think Najee Harris. He was one of my favorite picks in the draft um, when he came through, and I think he's definitely one to watch. And it'll be interesting to see what the Steelers do with him.
0: Yeah, I love that. Look, I, I'd love to see more um, running back plays for Debo Samuel, Samuel and then he'd be yeah. my number one, to be honest. But I, I think you're right. I think Derek Henry. At the moment, they call him King Henry for a reason. He's 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 there. We're all expecting him to dramatically fall away. Way too much punishment. There is going to be a year where he dramatically declines. Everyone's waiting for it. We haven't seen it yet. Um, and until that happens, you know you've got you've got to give it to him, Jonathan Taylor. He looks to be the next big thing. Um, you know, let's see what he can come up with.
1: Yeah. I think Derek Henry is really the definition of the most valuable player. I think, you know, when you think of Tennessee in the next 10 years, you won't think of country music. You'll really think of this guy and his last few seasons. He is the most valuable player to that franchise. And you know, he, it's really exciting to see what he's actually done for that team. And he's, you know, brought them into the playoffs.
0: I love, I love that. And may, hey, And maybe when he slows down, you just sort of move him into the quarterback position. You know what I mean? Like you know, yeah. let's just let's just keep this uh, momentum rolling. He's but
1: got the height. He's got the height. I mean, it would be amazing to see.
0: Yeah, there we go. All right, There's the playbook all wrapped up. Running back. Um, yeah, look for all the NFL coaches that tune into the Mojo Podcast. Um, hopefully, you're taking notes. There definitely important to stack that running back room, and uh, yeah, really important to see. Um, yeah, what our teams in Seattle and New England look like in this space next season as well. Uh, cannot wait. All right, let's dive into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most
1: anticipated
0: match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, this week, uh, this week on the match, we're talking all things coaches. Laura, right, it, it's going to be a pretty interesting battle, this one. We see, we see Sean McVay um, for the LA Rams coming up against Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, it's difficult to pick where, we, where we'll start here. Let's, let's start with Kyle because, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to talk about, you know, his journey, where he's at, um, and, you know, obviously there's been a little bit of recent success for Sean that, you know, in a lot of minds has kind of separated him, but let's talk a little bit about Kyle just so people don't forget, you know, some of the brilliance that he's brought to the league and where he's at at his um, yeah, young career.
1: This is a really fun one for me. I love to talk all things negative about the other teams in the NFC West. Look, really, when it comes to Kyle Shanahan, someone should edit his Wikipedia page and call him the owner of Sean McVay. I mean, his win rate against him has been unparalleled across other divisions in the NFL. He's 6-0 in his last few matchups. And really, he has Sean McVay down to a T. And the biggest thing that... Kyle knows how to do, and the biggest thing that he's worked out coincides with this episode. And he knows how to run the ball against the Rams. He knows how to establish that run game early, as we've talked about, and keep it going. And I think that's really been the key. And no other team's been able to do it quite as successfully. Kyle Shanahan's—he's had an interesting one because you know they've had some issues and some concerns and a lot of drama surrounding that quarterback position, and they haven't really found their fit, you know, it's what looked to hopefully be exciting with Colin Kaepernick to everything that came up over there, you know, then through to Jimmy G and now we're coming into the season of the of Trey Lance. So, you know, it's been a very different road that he has had, but you've got to forget San Francisco, they've been up and down. The Rams have kind of held their own and held consistent, but they've gone and they've adapted to what they've needed to do to come back to play winning football. So, I think he's respected. I think he's adored by his team. And most importantly, the Rams hate him. So he's a great guy in my books.
0: Yeah, that's right. Look, uh, you, you've got to give him a lot of credit for kind of rebuilding the franchise as well. You know, the, yeah. the San Francisco, they were an absolute basket case of a franchise, which is crazy to think because they're one of the, you know, one of the cornerstone franchises of the NFL, but they were an absolute basket case when he arrived. And there was so much pressure on him, you know, from a lot of reasons. Obviously, his dad, Mike Shanahan, you know, incredible, um, historic coach in his own right. And how does, how do you sort of come in and create your own style and your own sort of, um, you know, approach to football? You know, there was always going to be a lot of pressure and just some little things like, you know, when you think about the NFL, you think about sold out stadiums, brand new. San Fran, you know, they had issues even with their stadium. It's 45, 50 minutes in the middle of nowhere away from the city. It was empty. There was no atmosphere. The team was constantly losing. I mean, this was a franchise that yeah, they, they were really struggling. So he's really sort of been able to come in and, and reinvigorate the franchise. So for me, um, you know, the X's and O's we'll talk to in a little bit, but really his ability to come in and at a really young age, you know, really sort of dominate there. And he's been in the role for a little bit of time now. He's been in there since 2017 as well. So he was, you know, very, very young. Makes me wonder what I'm doing my life uh, <laughs> as well. Um, but why was he brilliant? H- how did this work? Um, Laura, I-, I think that's it. He's never had an absolute elite quarterback, yet he's been able to frustratingly for a lot of uh, opposition, I-, I guess grind and fight his way through, th- through, um, you know, creative and clever Um, schemes, playbook, and, you know, I I think for me, that's what he's done with Jimmy G. Um, We'll Mm. we'll talk a little bit about, I guess, his bold move and what he's doing there with Trey Lance, but, you know, Jimmy G is a very limited quarterback who loves, and and I've got to highlight this, he loves giving the fullback to the, uh, he loves giving the football to the opposition, which is a very difficult thing when you're trying to play football. But, you know, Kyle, he's really been able to innovate. And um, I think he's done some really, really good things with George Kittle there at the tight end position. He's been able to be creative. And this Debe, Debo Samuel, who I know I'm obsessed with, but he's in his combination with Kyle and and what they do. They they just make offences uh, – sorry, defences look completely foolish. So um, really, really impressed with his ability to do that. Um Laura, a couple of things quickly touch on when it comes to Kyle as well. He's starting to get a little bit of a tr- uh, coaching tree himself. Um, you know, we've, we've started to see a little bit of a tough edge on defense as well. I know that Kyle has really been known for, um, you know, his, the, the offensive side of the football. But again, he's had a franchise that has played very, very physical football. And uh, through Nick Bosa and a few others, when there hasn't been a lot of injuries in San Fran, they've played some, some pretty unbelievable football.
1: Totally. I mean, you know, on any day, any team can win a football game. And that's totally been true for Kyle Shanahan's 49ers. And, you know, some of my favorite games to watch have been when Seattle have come up against the 49ers because every game is down to the last minute. You think they're out. You think they're out. Oh, it's overtime. We're going to score on them. They come back every time. And, you know, it's great football to watch. It's great for the fan base. It's great for helping them rebuild a fan base, really. But no, what he's done is he's created such a dynamic offense. That's, I think, has been his biggest focus over these last few seasons. Like you mentioned, he is starting to bring that focus back to the defense, especially with Nick Bosa. But, you know, it's been incredible to see how he's actually spread that ball, how he spread that plays. And what he's done better than a lot of other coaches is he's made use of his superstars. He knows how to coach superstars. He knows how to put the ball in their hands, make them look good. But also not, you know, put it there when it doesn't need to be there. He knows where to draw it back and kind of how to make that game work and how to keep the keep everyone happy. So it's it's been cool to see.
0: Now, when you talk about coaches, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they get talked about as if they're the same coach. Uh, they are very, very, very different. And 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 even when you think about the challenges within their franchises, because we'll roll into Sean in a second, but you know, both I guess franchises are at a point where they've been semi-successful, but they just they just couldn't quite. Uh, you know, win those, win those top gains. you know, and then obviously we'll talk about Sean in a second, but, you know, Cole found himself in that position where he's exhausted this current roster. He's done everything he possibly can with Jimmy G. Now it's time to sort of, you know, uh, I guess, take that next step. Now, Sean, he goes out and he does that through veterans, hates draft picks clearly. We'll talk a (laughs) little little bit about that in a second. Cole's done the opposite. He's, you know, he's kind of, you know, yes, he's given away his draft picks, but he's gone with someone very untested in Trey lands, the guy's hardly played any football, you know. It, it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see this next chapter of Kyle Shanahan to see what he can do with with Trey because if he can do, um, you know, some incredible things early on, I mean, you, you've got a player for 10, 15. God, with Tom Brady out there, you could be, could have a 20-year player. So, anyway, very interesting to see what the future holds for Kyle and the 49ers. All right, Laura, Laura let's talk about Sean. He did it. He won a Super Bowl. Um, and he's really changed the way in which we think about uh, team building, roster building. I'll throw it over to you because what Sean McVay is doing—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, it, it's, it's, it's historic.
1: Totally, and I think what he's done with the Rams has been very similar to what their neighbors have done. You know, with the Lakers, they've gone out, they've grabbed a superstar team. The only difference is that at least the Rams made the playoffs, let alone win the cha- won the championship. Um, but you know, it's interesting. He's had that trust, and he's what he's done is he's actually kind of let the players speak for what they want, who they want to see. I mean, we all saw Jalen Ramsey with his tweets every five minutes recruiting across the country. But, you know, they brought in Von Miller. They brought in Odell Beckham. They brought in players that that want to play with each other, that want to help build each other and build a winning environment. And I think that's been really cool to see. You know, I'm a big believer in existing talent. You know, it's great to draft someone, but I think it's more important to really kind of look and see Who's working in the league? Well, how can I make them work harder? How can I make them work in a way for me that's going to help us all to win a championship? And that's what Sean has nailed to a T. Um, I think it's been very cool to see, and I think that's ultimately how they won.
0: And I think sometimes franchises and coaches worry too much about the future um, and, and, and setting up football programs for the next coach, you know, because if you don't win now, uh, you're fired. So, you know, I think that's where a lot of coaches go wrong, whereas Sean – He's very much now, I mean, look, where are the LA Rams going to be in five years' time where are all of their players, are, uh, you know, Tom Brady's age, you know, they're all 47 and they can hardly, you know, who knows, but, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to maximise their players, win now, win, and, you know, I, I guess one of the things I've learned when it comes to Sean McVay, he's coaching, um, you know, he's sort of, you know, he's, I guess he's been criticized for, 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 for playing for I guess play calling a little bit conservatively. I think he's, you know, improving. He learned a lot from that Super Bowl loss. But, you know, just quickly on the on on the on the team building, he's removed the this obsession for keeping salary cap, for, 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 for banking it. It, it. it's just it's stupid. Like there is just absolutely no reason for you to be saving salary cap in, in today's league. You know, if Sean McVay has $1 in his bank account, he's spending it because he wants to win a Super Bowl. And I really think that's sort of changing the way we think about it. Um, play calling, yes. I, I think Sean McVay was limited. Um, he did freeze up. He had some challenges against much more experienced coaches. But, you know, he, he he's... You know, he's gone there, he's had those challenges and he's really turned things around. Um, and look, just quickly, his ability to go out and uh, and recruit Matt Stafford. I mean, it's all good now. They've won the Super Bowl. It all worked out, but that could have gone sideways. So, you know, everyone kind of felt that he was talented. He just wasn't in the right system. But Sean McVay to kind of go out there, buy all of these ingredients uh, and make an unbelievable dish and win the Super Bowl. Very, very impressive. All right, Laura, no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match. Where are you going with this one?
1: Oh, it's going to pain me to say this, but I actually think you know, you're know you exactly right. When, you, when you're playing football, it's a cop-out for a lot of these coaches and a lot of these teams to say, oh, we're looking towards the future. We're looking to the future. If you can't win a football game now, if you can't win a championship now, then what are you doing? And I think because he has come out victorious, he has nailed that ring, I'm going to have to go Sean McVay.
0: Yeah, look, it's difficult, you know. How do you have not won that Super Bowl? I'm all Kyle, you know. I'm Kyle's yeah. biggest fan. I think he's doing incredible things. It makes me very, very nervous. The actual quarterback that they've gone all in for, I don't quite see what everyone sees when it comes to Trey Lance at the moment. But let's just see whether he can turn that around. But look, Sean winning that Super Bowl using this really um, unconventional method in terms of team building. Yeah, he's he's got the the vote for me, but. Uh, Again, we, we turn the page on a new season. It's going to be really interesting to see um, whether Kyle can continue his dominance over Sean uh, on the field. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. It's your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Okay, so show, we're
1: scary. Oh, my boss is saying Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're doing.
0: All right, Laura. As always, don't have a lot of time with rapid fire, so I'm going to throw this straight at you. We're looking at um, roster improvements, and we're going to continue the theme with the San Francisco 49ers. So, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on on on, on this particular team? where they need to improve heading into the season?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for the 49ers to show that their gamble has paid off with Trey Lance, they need to protect them. They need to get someone up there, a powerhouse, into that offensive line to really back them up. You know, losing Lakin Tomlinson in this offseason has really just been another blow to an already weakened line. So, look, they definitely need to jump in. They definitely need to go with someone. I'm liking that guy from Memphis, the O-liner Dylan Parham. You know, he's been in with the Jags recently. He's been hanging out around that side of town, but that's not for him, bringing him up to the West Coast. Um, You know, your team who's... You know, they've got a late pick in the second round. I reckon hopefully this guy can be available. They can jump through on him. But, yeah, I mean, I, they should have picked Justin Fields. I don't know what they did letting that go to Chicago. But, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely bold. Look, one of the things is I I, I feel like um Trey, you know, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to sort of maintain possession for a long period of time. I think he's going to be giving the football to the defense quite a lot. And, um look, it, you know, the, today's football, it, it's about – it's about punishing secondaries. And I I just really fear for San Fran when it comes to secondary. I I don't know. I know they're really strapped for um, for draft picks, but, you know, they've really got to sneak up and get a high quality player in that secondary. Daxon Hill from Michigan, you know, obviously there's a big drop between him and Kyle Hamilton in the draft. Totally respect that. But, yeah, San Fran, they really need to keep a close eye on their defense because that is a side of the football that's really going to have to step up over the next couple of years um, whilst Trey sort of figures out this football thing. So, um, yeah, it look, it's going to be really interesting to see what San Fran do. But, um, you know, it was a big splashy uh, trade. Uh, they, 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 you know, cost them a lot to, to get trade. Let, let's see how it plays out for the 49ers. All right, Laura. Well, how good was that? That's all the time we have. Always great to talk uh, footy. We could do this. Uh, we could do this each and every week. We won't tell the others that one, but it'll be great <laughs> to have them back next week as well. And to our listeners, how can you support our NFL show? Continue to do what you do. Download the podcast. Share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll catch you then.